I have with me a guest today that I have wanted you to meet for a long time. He has uh, been in the criminal justice system uh, even longer than me, uh, probably about 50 years. And uh, he has been uh, everything from a cop to an author to uh, media relations. He was really involved in something near and dear to me that we're going <laughs> to talk about soon. Um, but Len Sipes, welcome to the show. Betsy, I'm, it's really a pleasure to be here. So Happy to be let's, here. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, how did you come to be part of the law enforcement profession? Uh, I applied as a cadet for the Maryland State Police when I was 18, and uh, and I've been in the justice system in one way, shape, or form since the age of 18. So I was in law enforcement for about four years, decided to go to college, came out and did a couple more years of policing in Baltimore City. Um, and from there, I went to the Department of Justice's clearinghouse as the senior specialist for crime prevention. Uh, from there, I went to the National Crime Prevention Council uh, as their director of uh, public information. And from there, I went to the Maryland Department of Public Safety for 14 years as the person in charge of media relations for this ungodly huge bureaucracy, uh, law enforcement plus uh, corrections, plus everything else under the face of the earth. Uh, and from there, I went to the federal government. So I, I want to talk about law enforcement and media relations in a minute, because that's a huge part of what we do at the National Police Association. Yes. And we're trying to fight that false narrative. Yes. You know, that somehow American law enforcement is the problem. But first, I want to go back to something that's just really personal uh, <laughs> to me and something you and I were talking about off camera. And that is the National Crime Prevention Council's mm -hmm. McGruff program. Yep. yep. Take a bite about, out of crime. Talk about the birth of McGruff and uh, and what that meant to you. Well, I was with um, Saatchi and Saatchi was the world's largest advertising agency at the time. And my job was to feed the creatives at Saatchi and Saatchi to feed them uh, statistics and research uh, on crime and crime prevention and or crime across the board. And they took a liking to me and I took a liking to them. And they said, how would you like to learn advertising? And I said, yeah, I'd love to learn advertising. Um, so I was in media relations uh, and talking to the media uh, first for the National Criminal Justice Reference Service uh, and then the National Crime Prevention Council. Uh, but they sat down with me on a variety of occasions and, and basically said, look, we're going to be introducing McGruff. We're going to be developing McGruff. Um, first of all, you need to understand advertising so you can help us better. Uh, and our job was to basically figure out what McGruff's message was going to be, uh, how McGruff's message would play out. Um, so uh, they would have ideas, I would push back, I would have ideas, they would push back. Uh, and these were some of the most creative people on the face of the earth. And I said to myself that my real um, goal in life is, is to get, stay in media relations or even advertising because it's such a creative endeavor uh, that I really enjoyed. But the whole idea was to figure out how McGruff should communicate with the country. That is and he did an amazing job. I mean, I can't think of anything uh, more iconic when we talk about crime prevention then yep. McGruff, the crime dog, right? We we had at that point the most popular public service advertising campaign in America, um, even bigger than Smokey the Bear. So um, it was just an amazing amount of uh, of media. Um, television stations, radio stations were running our ads. Uh, the print media were running our ads. 
uh, all pro bono, uh, all contributed. And from that, we ended up in thousands of conversations with media uh, throughout the country and throughout the world in terms of crime in America, uh, what was going on in the United States, how McGruff was supposed to uh, help law enforcement and help community organizations deal with crime in their own communities. Uh, and at the same time, we got to travel around the country. We were invited into cities throughout the country um, and uh, to sit down with their folks and try to help them figure out their crime problems. So for a young man, it was just an extraordinary experience. Well, and I'll tell you, for a young crime prevention sergeant, the National Crime Prevention Council, and especially the McGruff program, was mm -hmm. absolutely invaluable in helping us reach our communities you know and and every police department uh you know had a mcgruff costume <laughs> yes. we all had stuffed i had stuffed mcgruff on my desk and yeah and we would go to different events and you know you hear so much len now about uh from activists and and um kind of the people who vilify law enforcement we need community policing how long have we had community policing in this country len <laughs> community policing has always been a part of law enforcement, uh, you know, it, it's it's we've we've known for decades and decades that without the community, we're not going to be effective in terms of dealing with the crime problem. Um, you go to criminology, and I've taught criminology, and you know, one of the things that you come to grips with, and was sort of startling when I took criminology, was that cops really are limited in terms of what it is that they can do. It's communities that control crime. It's, you know, the cops don't, can't stop you from beating your wife. I mean, that's a societal issue. Um, and that's something we should condemn uh, strongly in terms of spousal abuse. But we can't stop that. We can't stop people from taking drugs. We can't stop people from buying stolen items. We There's a whole mess of things that we cannot do. We're limited without the community. Um, uh, we're sort of lost in terms of overall crime control. But my point is that overall crime control is not is not the full responsibility, sole responsibility of law enforcement. Without citizens controlling what happens in their own communities, we're not gonna get anywhere. So we've known this for a long time and we've understood this for a long time. Well, uh, you know, we getting back to this issue with, with the perception of law enforcement, um, you know, so I write on a fairly regular basis and, and fortunately or unfortunately, I post my stuff on social media and I get pushed back all the time. Um, and, you know, look, our detractors are not going to be supportive of us. But, you know, what the piece of uh, research that I put out from uh, the U.S. Department of Justice, about 54 million citizen contacts uh, and the vast majority of people like us. I mean, you take a look at Gallup, you take a look at Pew, you take a look at research from the Department of Justice. The overwhelming majority of people, citizens in the United States, strongly support law enforcement. It is one of the most trusted organizations in the United States, much further up the list than Congress, much further up the list than the media. So, you know, we have detractors. So what? I mean, it, it, it's it's and I understand what's been happening, I think, uh, over the course of, of the last decade. Um, and, and I think a lot of cops throughout the country have taken it to heart. Um, and I keep reminding everybody that I talk to through my writing that the overwhelming majority of the American citizens like trust, respect law enforcement. And the data, 54 million contacts, 2% uh, involved force. I mean, that 
goes against the stereotype um, that we have out there. There was a piece of research in terms of police shootings of African-Americans um, and uh, Statistica did it. And so they asked people, what do you think you're, what do you think, how many police officers, uh, police officer involved shootings with unarmed African-Americans are there in the United States in any given year? So you're different organizations have different pieces of research. Uh, and, you know, there it's about 20, 25, something along those lines. Um, and that's not to say the shootings weren't justified just because of the person was un unarmed. But regardless, um, so they ask average citizens, well, what do you think that actual number is? And whether you were a Republican or whether you were a Democrat, it didn't matter. The overwhelming majority vastly overstated what they thought it was, 1,000 a year, 5,000 a year, 10,000 a year. So, you know, we've come from the last 10 years where law enforcement has been viciously vilified, and that has gotten into the rank and file. That's why per uh, another article I did from uh, the, the Bureau of um, uh, labor statistics, uh, that we've lost tens of thousands of police officers in the last couple of years. Uh, I've talked personally to a lot of police officers and simply said, that's it. Um, if society is going to turn against me, uh, I'm out. Uh, and so we're losing tons of police officers, and that has an enormous impact on crime control. It has an enormous impact on fear of crime. And I keep telling officers over and over and over again, in person and through my writings and phone calls, um, that the vast majority of the American public is with you. It doesn't care. The demographics don't care whether you're black, white, Asian, rich, poor. The great majority of Americans support law enforcement. So, you know, try to keep that in perspective. That's what I'm telling individual officers. Try to keep that in perspective. Uh, you're thinking that America has turned against uh, us within the justice system. No, they have not. And that is so well said. Why do you think this false narrative is so pervasive in society? Where, where does this come from? We all know, I mean, we, we know the facts. Why do you think so many people have it so wrong? You know, if you take a look at, and, and this is another point that I try to bring up. If you take a look at institutions, Americans have a gut mistrust of institutions, whether it be the media, whether it be Congress, whether it be the medical profession, whether it be business. Um, Americans have an innate mistrust of bureaucracies. Uh, they have an innate mistrust of anybody who holds power over them and could possibly influence their lives. So the fact that Americans, some Americans are mistrustful of law enforcement. Well, you know, those same Americans are going to say, I don't, I don't trust the medical profession, or I don't trust the church any longer, which is tragic. Uh, or I don't trust um, um, any entity out there. So it's not just law enforcement. Um, you know, from the very beginning, and I like to think that I'm a student of American history, uh, all throughout the, the foundations of this country, mistrust of bureaucracies, especially the British, British bureaucracy, um, was steadfast and deeply ingrained into the American psyche. Um, so if there's anything Americans don't like, it's large bureaucracies. But having said that, you take a look at polling research and law enforcement is much more trusted 
than just about any other entity out there. I think it's uh, small businesses and nurses and then yeah. law enforcement. Um, so, um, and, and there's a lesson there too, because Americans may mistrust the medical profession, but they don't mistrust the mistrust of the practitioners who work within the medical system, i.e. nurses. So Americans may mistrust bureaucracies, but they do seem to trust cops. Right. What what do you think is your one of your many areas of expertise is media relations? What can American law enforcement leaders do better to fight this false narrative? You know, how many times on a shift have individual law enforcement officers saved somebody's life? Mm -hmm. How many times did they perform CPR? How many lost kids did they find? Why we're not collecting that information on every daggone shift and broadcasting it is completely beyond my comprehension. Um, so law enforcement needs to understand that they have the power through their own television shows, through their own radio sh shows, through their own podcast, through their own email list to get the word out about what they are doing within that community. Um, and, and more and more law enforcement agencies are doing it. Um, I'm really surprised as to I've been championing this um, um, championing this uh, this concept for a long time. And I think more and more law enforcement agencies are are doing it. And, and I, I think they really need to continue it. But for those law enforcement agencies that are not, they're making a big mistake. You've got to constantly show the value of law enforcement. You've got to constantly express the humanity of law enforcement. You know, I had this long conversation with somebody who, who started out, well, cops are bullies. Bullies become cops. Uh, and it's like, you know, dude, some of the gentlest human beings, some of the nicest human beings, some of the most mannerly human beings I have ever met have been cops. Mm -hmm. um, you know, why you have a need to say this is, is completely beyond my comprehension. Then I go back to the research. And then I go back to uh, the Gallup polls and the Pew organization polls and other polls and the U.S. Department of Justice research. Um, you know, cops are brutal. Well, if cops are brutal, uh, out of 54 million contacts, 2% involve force or use of force. Mm -hmm. Not force, either the threat of force or the use of force. 2%. I mean, I've been to that a little, would you? Because I want, I really want the citizens watching this to understand exactly what you mean by that. 54 million contacts and yet 2% force or use of force. What's our definition for that? Well, our definition is, is you know, you, you have to at times say, as I've said to people uh, when I was a law enforcement officer, uh, sir, either we can do this the soft way and I can treat you like a gentleman, or if you try to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Right. Okay, I just threaten force. But that was a tactic I used. The 90% of the people, if they're dealt with that way, complied. That's called de-escalation. It was de-escalation. That's exactly right. But that was a threat of force. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's police officers, I think, are out there dealing with um, increasing crime, increasing disorder. And, and yet the overwhelming majority, there is no force. I mean, 2% for the love of heavens. Now, in terms of police initiated contacts, it's 3%. Big whoop. Um, so, you know, it, the, if you take a look at the data, the data is extremely supportive of the average police officer in terms of his or her 
tour of duty in terms of his or her doing the right thing. I mean, they were also talking about disrespect. 1%, 54 million contacts, 1% said that they were disrespected in one way, shape, or form by their encounter, that the overwhelming majority uh, of police officers treated them well, that, uh, you know, an 88% overall satisfaction rate. This is law enforcement. This is not, uh, you're not running a restaurant. This is law enforcement. 88% saying, yeah, they did a good job. Um, you know, for the love of heavens, the data is clearly on our side. So, you know, we need to embrace who we are and what we are uh, and, and understand that the public likes us and trusts us as long as we don't do something outrageously stupid. What do you attribute this? And it is a small percentage, but it's a visible percentage of just utter lawless um, uh, behavior by citizens, you know, we see the videos out of New York and mm -hmm. and Buffalo and L.A. and Seattle and Portland and in my native Chicago and Baltimore mm -hmm. and on and on and on. What do you attribute that to? Look, the the issue is crime increasing and decreasing. And throughout our country's history, there are there are times of disorder and there are times where disorder decreases considerably. Everything is in a state of flux. Everything has a way of, of increasing and de decreasing. And criminologists couldn't give you a precise answer. But my fear is that with all the police officers leaving um, and with all the issues and all the controversies, um, like, say, bail, um, you know, I think citizens and bad people come to understand that, OK, the cops aren't being as aggressive as they once were. And you take a look at um, the data um, from that Department of Justice report, a 60 percent decline in searches, a 60 percent decline in searches, uh, traffic stops going from nine to seven percent, um, police initiated action decreasing by one percent. Uh, so. You know, the stories were the jails, we're going to empty the jails, we're going to empty the prisons um, because of COVID. I think that sends a pretty clear message to the bad folks out there that law enforcement is and the entire justice system is no longer going to be as stringent as they once were. That's sort of like giving them a green light to commit crime. Um, so, you know, I think the message to the bad folks is that we're no longer the, the system that we were for COVID for lots of different reasons, um, all of the bad publicity over the course of the last 10 years. Um, so maybe we can get away with more. And I think the message society is throwing out there is that uh, uh, maybe the risk of being a criminal doesn't um, is not as strong as it used to be. Right. If you're if you're not going to go to prison and, and indeed, if you're not maybe not even going to go to court um, for committing bad acts, what's to deter you? Right. I mean, that's the whole point of the criminal justice system is uh, is deterrence. And you said something a couple of minutes ago. So important that cops cannot solve all of society's ills. Absolutely not. A cop can't be all things to all people. Right. Um, I, I think that's the message that I constantly give to uh, people writing editorials or that sort of thing. Cops cannot be all things to all people. Um, it, it's just impossible for law enforcement to do everything. But law enforcement 
unfortunately, is tasked with doing everything because they're the only people out there at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's absolutely um, so, you know, that mental health call, um, that's going to go to cops because nobody else is available to handle that individual. And, and uh, you know, we have a society where it is a, a new article that I have, and I don't not quite sure I sent it to you that the majority of people involved in accidents are under the influence of drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of people arrested are under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, the majority of people in accidents, serious accidents, are under the influence of drugs and alcohol. If you add mental health to that issue, um, if you add um, mental instability, I mean, how cops can do what they do, and yet citizens, when they're polled, only 2% force or threat of force is to me is amazing right it's li right. literally amazing as to how good cops are being that's not to take away from the fact that we make mistakes and then there's not to take away from the fact that we sometimes really go overboard to the point where it's criminal uh there are certain points where we have to own uh our own mistakes but mm -hmm. by and large the overwhelming majority of the police officers out there seem to be doing the right thing and citizens are basically saying yeah they they pretty much do the right thing Lank, where can people find you find your articles find out uh more about you i own and operate crimeinamerica.net um so anybody can contact me through crimeinamerica.net um if you want to email me uh gee i'll, I'll be hit with bogus emails but leonard l-e-o-n-a-r-d sipes s-i-p-e-s at gmail.com um and and through the social media platforms that i interact with on a regular basis thank you so much for being with us today and if you would like more information about the national police association visit us at nationalpolice.org. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, Officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.